Well, good morning to you. May I extend uh, Trish's welcome. It's good to see you here this morning. It's great to be with you. It's also good to see some new faces, and you are very welcome. And uh, I hope we get a chance to catch up more after this morning. There will be more tea and coffee, in fact, and even some possible more donuts if stocks allows. While stocks last, there will be donuts. Have you ever designed anything? Have you ever worked with people on designing things? I don't know uh, what you do in your careers. I don't know um, what you get involved with in your hobbies or whatever. You may have designed, I don't know, a book, or you may have designed a car, or you may have designed clothes. What a good example. I myself don't particularly think I'm that creative, but I love surrounding myself with creative people. There's something about getting involved with design. And I, uh, a few years ago, was working um, in a, a large pharmaceutical, global pharmaceutical company. And quite often, companies that design things, products that they wanted us to buy, would come to me to ask, their, uh, ask my opinion of their product. In fact, it was my job, and bearing in mind this is a multi-billion well, dollar global business with a lot of money to spend, it was my job to decide in the IT department what things we were going to spend money on and what things we weren't. So needless to say, quite a few of the big computing companies often phoned me up because they wanted to show me their latest gadget. I became quite popular in the IT department and my office became known as the toy shop. It was always full of the next latest shiny gadget. And whether it was a printer or a laptop or a handheld device or a keyboard that projected the keyboard on the desk, that was very James Bond, we liked that one. We got involved with all the little gadgets that the end user may get involved with. And one day, and not unusual, I had a phone call from HP, Hewlett Packard, the big computing company. And they phoned me up and they said, Mark, we've got a new product we would like you to look at. We think this is going to work well for your small office locations. It's a printer. And I said, great, send it over. I'll have a look. Ah, they said, we want to send the designer with it. It's unusual. Normally, they just send the box. It turns up, gets through security. Eventually, sometimes we lose them. Sometimes they got to my desk, and we'd unpack it and have a look. But no, the designer wanted to come and see me unbox the box. They called it the out-of-box experience. And it was part of their design process. They had made 50 of these new devices. And they wanted to see how the end user me was going to set it up to make sure they'd thought of everything about the packaging, about the way that the instructions worked, about the way that we might unpack it. So sure enough, the day come and this massive box arrives with two people. It was a man from Holland. He was head of sales. He wanted to work out how they were going to market this box and wanted to ask me one or two questions about where it would fit with the business. And there was a man from Taiwan, little guy, didn't speak much English. He was the designer. And then we walked to a room I booked for the occasion for my out-of-box experience. Now, I just want to introduce you. This is what I was having a look at. This is the Hewlett-Packard OfficeJet 9120, snappy title. It isn't just a printer. It's not just a copier. It will also read your memory cards and print out your photos. It will send faxes. It will receive faxes. 
It even sends emails. At the time, I know what you're thinking, you've got one of these at home. At the time, it was state-of-the-art. I mean, it didn't make the coffee burn the toast or anything, but it, it, it was pretty good. It was an all-in-one unit, and this is the product they wanted me to evaluate. So it sat there on the table, and I said, can I begin? Yes, you can. So I opened the top of the box, and as I undid the flaps, the first thing presented to me right inside the box was the manual. So I did what all good self-respecting IT engineers do. I put it behind me. <laughs> I then unpacked, got rid of all that polystyrene, found out how to lift the thing out without breaking it, started taking off all the hundreds of bits of tape, and I don't know why they put quite so much tape on these things, but eventually I'd done a pretty good job. I'd got this thing set up, it was plugged in, whirring away, I'd got it plugged into the network, it appeared to have a network connection. When I looked down on the table and I saw this bit, it was a keyboard. And I didn't know where it went. And I started to sort of lift things up and pull things out, and, and I couldn't work out where the keyboard went. And it was at that moment I became aware that the small little Taiwanese guy sitting in the corner of the room was starting to get a bit agitated. <laughs> and he gets up and he wanders over to where I'd left the manual and he picks up the book and he puts it on the table in front of me and sits back down. <laughs> so I picked it up and I put it back on the shelf and I carried on trying to work out how to put this keyboard in the thing. Shortly after, he gets up even more agitated, picks up the manual, flicks through the pages to the right page, lays it down in front of me on the right page, and sits down. So I looked at him, and I thought, cheek. Closed the book, put it behind me. <laughs> a little while later, this rather frustrated man came along, and you see this slot on the front? He pushed it, and it slid out. And he went, there. And I put the keyboard in, and that was it. It was set up. See, I'd ignored the instructions, and I had frustrated the designer. And actually, on this occasion, I couldn't do it on my own. I had to have the designer's help. We read a little while back a psalm, Psalm 139. It's a psalm of David, King David, the man who is a powerful man of God, wrote a lot of the Psalms that we find in the Bible. It's the same David that was the little boy that defeated Goliath with God's help. He knew God well. He knew him. He knew that he needed him. And in the Psalm that we read, we get an understanding, an insight, if you like, into how his relationship with God worked. And what he knew about God. The psalm is actually, if you look at it and study it, it's split up into four rather neat sections. It's quite common of psalms, actually. They're often nicely balanced into phrases. But it's all about God. The first section is all about the all-seeing God. It talks about, I'm never out of your sight. When I get up, you are there. When I go this way, you are there. When I do that, you are there. David understands that God sees everything. The second thing is it talks about an all-present God. I can never 
find a place to be out of your sight, he says. If I climb up to the sky, you are there. If I go underground, you are there. If I flew on the morning wings to the far western horizon, you will be there. David knew that God was everywhere. He then talks about an all-powerful God. The God that created him, that knitted him together in his mother's womb. The God that he can worship because he knows that he made him and that he knows every bone of his body. And then the psalm takes a bit of a strange turn. Actually, when we were preparing the service and we were talking about using the psalm, one or two people said, are we going to use the whole psalm? Should we leave out this bit? Because it's a bit of a jar. It doesn't quite sit right. It feels that oh, it's gone a bit off the nice stuff and it starts to get a bit more difficult to understand. So we've had all seeing, all present, all powerful and now we have an all holy God. And David starts talking about the fact that whoever God's enemies are, they're my enemies. Get rid of these wicked people, God. All of a sudden it's a ooh, bit of a a jolt to the system as we read it. But David understood that God was in control. He then does an interesting thing. He realizes, having said that God is all-seeing and all-present and all-powerful and all-holy, he suddenly looks at himself. And he says, what about David's heart? And the last two verses of this psalm, I think, are incredibly special. When he suddenly turns around and he says, firstly, something I find a bit odd. He says, investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. He's just talked about the fact that God sees everything and God is everywhere and God is all-powerful and God is all-holy. But he kind of challenges God and says, examine me. Cross-examine and test me, it says in the message version. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. And of course, David would know, as we know, that we cannot be perfect. We would have done, he would have done something wrong. And he realizes, then guide me on the road to eternal life, he says. I can't do this without you. You need to show me the way. He needs help from the designer. We get it wrong too, don't we? We need to understand what the designer says is good for us. I'm not perfect. If I'm honest, I know that. I can put on a show. I can smile. Say all the right things. I can be nice to you. I can give to charity. I can do good favors to people, give you a lift. But actually I know that on the inside there is a heart that's full of yuck and muck. Who do you see when you look in the mirror in the morning? If you're like me, you probably look at yourself and think, what am I like? 
But here's the thing. God knows exactly what you are like and he still loves you. He made you and he thinks you are special. Flip through the Bible to the New Testament and there's another verse. We find it in the book of Ephesians. It's the letter to the church of Ephesus, which uh, the apostle Paul has written. And it says this in Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's handiwork. Do you feel like God's handiwork? Remember this picture we had up a minute ago? Kelly's baby, baby hall. Let's call him or her. I don't know whether it's a him or a her. We'll hopefully find out in a few weeks. God knows baby hall. He knows baby inside and out. He knows every bone of his or her body. In the psalm, You knitted me together in my mother's womb. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. I want to unpack that verse a little bit more, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to use a video to do it. This verse of Ephesians 10, verse 2. Let's clear the screen and ask. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a Picasso. It's like, (laughs) but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, dear Heavenly Father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh, why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh, okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away. You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. <laughs> Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. Oh, hey, God. Mm-hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running. I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward. But I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe... Four to five, maybe eight lines right here. That would be awesome. You're funny. 
You made me that way. I also made the platypus. Oh, the platypus? All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel, No, talk, no, chisel. no, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, you compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Well, time out. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. <sighs> Hang on a second. I mean, I, I got to admit, I, mean, I feel like you've been doing some great work and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends, and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um... It's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know. I'll stay right here and then, you That's know. That's just it. You never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things or life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, no, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Now this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. You see, it's a process. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish. It's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever going to hear is at the end of your life when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize. Heavenward. Oh, that hurts. Oh, trust me. This hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years, these empty wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Um, allow me to produce character where you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways are not oh, my ways. I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse. I can't. Oh, my child. In the beginning. I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah, but you and I both... What? Nothing. 
Now what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just, um... I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay. Chisel away. Just just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there. Because I get up every morning... And I look at him in the mirror. And I hate who I see. Because deep inside there, this, this, this little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult. And I go out and I, and I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away, just... Be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not from me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That How can I show you that my love for you has no end? I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? I just meant, God, I'll do that right now. You're just saying my name in vain. Come on. It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying. It's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Oh, my gosh. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know I've messed up so many times. Did I hear you say you want to use me? And I feel so useless. If you'll take me and use me, then, God, I give you all that I am. Take me. I love you, God. I love you, too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at it as a prison, but look at it as a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. 
I know, but it's gonna be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was gonna be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's... No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you, but maybe for the first time in your life, the way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. You are an original masterpiece. Made by God. And he loves you too much to leave you where you are. And yes, there will be times when it's tough. He never said it was going to be easy. But he has overcome the world. And he did it when he sent Jesus to die for us. Wherever you are today, today is the day when we can stop pretending and allow God to work on us. That's over all of our lives. Not just playing God in part of it. I want to finish this morning just by going back to those last two verses of Psalm 139. In the NIV it says this, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. You just close your eyes for a moment and just bow your heads. Just reflect on those words. Search me, God. God looks to our heart and sees all the muck and yuck. All those bad lifetime choices. He knows about the anger issues that we try to keep in check, but it's tough. He knows about the thoughts, the ones that you wouldn't even share with your closest friends. He knows about the habits that get in the way of a real relationship with him. We compare ourselves with others and we don't think that we're good enough. Jesus died on the cross. Not so that God can tolerate us. He died for a repaired relationship. When he looks at us, he sees his perfection. Not our hang-ups. Perhaps you worry. A lot of us worry. I had a quote the other day, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives us something to do, but it doesn't get us anywhere. Search me, God. It's not about what we need to, d- to do. It's about God doing it. We just need to ask him. God sent Jesus so that we can have a relationship with him. Relationships are built on people talking to each other. If you want to be everything that he created you to be, then you just need to talk to him. 
I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know where you are in your relationship with God. This might be something new to you. You may be a regular attender here at Abbey and feeling that now is the time that I want to actually do this again and draw a line in the sand, as it were, and move forward. And you're saying, search me, God, and know my heart. Test my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, and you lead me in the way of it everlasting. I'm just going to say a prayer now for us all, really. But feel free to join me in it and just say amen at the end, if that's your prayer too. And then we're going to conclude the service with a song. Our Heavenly Father, we know that we are not perfect. We know that we've mucked up. And Lord, we recognize that we need to come back to the designer. Understand what it is that you want us to be doing. Lord, we long to have a real relationship with you. So this morning, Lord, we're saying, search me, Lord. Test my thoughts. Give me a real understanding of your love, Lord. Because we can't do it alone. Help us to understand more fully the way that you want us to go. And give us a fresh start, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.